Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel healthy and vibrant again by finding the root cause of our gut health problems. My name's Allison Jordan, marathon runner, functional medicine practitioner, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of the Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for life. If you're ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. You're listening to episode one of the Better Belly podcast. I am so excited to be here with you guys today. I have gone through a very long journey to get here. And let's be real, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably also have had your own long journey of health and just pain and frustration and doctor appointments. And I don't even want to get into it right now. For real, I am so excited because today in episode one, I'm going to share a bit of my story. So in this episode today, I wanted to share about my story and how I healed myself from IBS. Okay, that's a big statement, right? So let's start at the beginning. In some ways, my story started in 2015, the year after I graduated from college. But in other ways, my story starts from my childhood I have spent my whole life being sick, sort of. In sixth grade, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. I did not know I had depression and anxiety because, you know, as a kid, you have no idea what normal's supposed to be like. And so from sixth grade, I got put pretty quickly on medication and was in counseling and was trying to figure out why I saw and felt the world the way I did. I now know that there is a huge link between the gut and the brain. So when I look back and I think about my sixth grade anxiety and depression and my colic as a baby, I'm not surprised. In fact, I really see a lot of my health journey beginning to look like one continuous journey where there isn't bits and pieces that don't make sense, but they're all aligned and they're all connected. And guys, that is true. Did you know that concussions are linked to gut health? Did you know that use of antibiotics or meningitis can be linked to decreasing health in gut health? Those are just some of the few things that we're going to be going over in this podcast. But moving on to the next part in the story, I didn't realize until probably me even going through my whole history of gut health problems that really accelerated in 2015 that my whole life I'd been constipated, I had belly aches, my belly was bloated, I was a gymnast and an athlete, and so I just figured I was pretty healthy, and I didn't have a huge awareness of my abdomen, (laughs) and pain it shouldn't be feeling, or pain it should be feeling, and I didn't think too much of it. As a baby, I had colic, and what's really interesting is that after I was starting to research the work that I was doing in gut health, There's a huge correlation of people who have IBS 
and who had colic as a baby. Quick note, have you had colic as a baby? That is something to consider in your health journey. When I work with clients and I am taking their health history, I really like to just ask them, like, did you have colic as a baby? And it's a really high correlation of people who come to me with gut health problems of any sort and who also had colic. So in some ways, my health story started from infancy. But let's not start there too early on and get ahead of ourselves. Let's start in 2015. My first sign and symptom of being sick was waking up in the night and not being able to fall back asleep. I would wake up and just stare at the ceiling and be wondering, why the heck am I awake? I also noticed that during the day, I was starting to begin to feel unnaturally sleepy. And I don't mean because I was losing sleep at night. I mean, like, I would be wake up at 7.45 a.m. and have breakfast and be having um, a time where I'm journaling and writing and preparing my mind for the day. And an hour later, at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, I would feel sleepy again to the point that I wanted to take a nap. And I did not understand why I was feeling so tired. I remember actually going to my small group and I was reading the Bible with friends and we were taking prayer requests. And I said, guys, I am not sleeping well. I don't understand what's going on. Would you guys please pray for me? And so um, didn't really know what was going to happen. But a week later, I had this sudden idea and kind of noticed that I was eating cereal for breakfast every morning. And so I just remember thinking for some reason, you know, oh, I think my, my belly might be hurting after I eat breakfast. And I said, hmm, breakfast is is wheat and it's dairy. And I said, well, let's just take out the dairy first. I did not come from a family that did diet restrictions. I didn't come from a mindset at all of diet restrictions. I had some friends who were maybe vegetarian growing up and and in college, and that was the most that I'd ever been exposed to intentional limitations in diet other than, you know, not taking in too much sugar, caffeine, things like that. A few months, well, actually, when I took off the dairy I started sleeping through the night and I my all my energy came back. It was incredible. I also realized that there was a low grade chronic level of constipation and bloating that had been going on and that also resolved pretty quickly from going off dairy. A few months later though in 2015, I was on a summer project and I was with my students and my nonprofit I was working with and we were living there for a month. I was in Chicago and We were on a bus traveling and suddenly someone made this horrible, very embarrassing comment. And they're like, oh, like it smells like the sewage system in here. Man, the sewage in Chicago is so bad. And what they didn't know was that I was having, despite still being off of dairy, I had had a bunch of my symptoms return. And at that point, I was having very severe bloating and very, very painful gas and also very smelly gas. I mean, it was it was for me this dinging moment in my life where I realized that I was sick. There was something wrong. And I remember checking all my foods that summer and looking for dairy. Like there must be some hidden dairy in the food that I'm eating. And I could not find any dairy. A couple months after that, I went on a trip to Minnesota and was staying with a group of people, some people I knew, some people I didn't. And on that trip, there were two people there who were on something called a low FODMAP diet. I had never heard of this. I wasn't really 
doing too much internet searching yet for gut health. Um, and I remember just thinking, this is fascinating. These people are thriving on their low FODMAP diet. I was eating their diet and feeling really good on that trip and was really motivated to come back and try this elimination diet that should take about, you know, no more than three months and heal my gut and send me on my way. Well, I went back home, went on a low FODMAP diet, and I waited. I just waited for my gut to heal. I tried various remedies. I was making my own kombucha. I was a kombucha queen. I was fermenting my own foods. I was reading blogs at this point, totally into hours and hours looking at Pinterest and asking questions and trying to find people who are on personal journeys or doctors talking about it. And it turned out that the low FODMAP diet didn't work for me. I did it and I remember my family asking me at every holiday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, like, when are you going off of this diet? We can't, I'd have to make my own food every time. And it was exhausting to have to always be making my own things. And it was isolating. And I realized six months, eight months into the low FODMAP diet, I was really sick. I actually started losing hair, which was really grieving to me. I actually, if you look at my photos and my timeline, Around um, 2016, I had really long hair, and because of it falling out, it became more obvious that my hair was thinning, and so I cut my hair. So you can see this transformation, and I also don't have too many photos of that season either because I felt so, so miserable. So in 2016, about a year after all my problems started, I keeled in and I went and saw some doctors. Up until then, I'd been kind of hesitant to go and see doctors because I knew that there was a limited amount of things they could say to me. My dad is a pediatric surgeon, and I knew that a lot of times until you had racked up information, you attract your symptoms and you figured out what made things worse or what didn't. Sometimes doctors just didn't have enough information to be able to point to much. So I went and saw a doctor, and then, of course, I got sent to a gastroenterologist, and they do the classic colonoscopy, endoscopy, blood work. And on top of that, I... Also went and saw a gynecologist because to be real, guys and ladies, I had stopped my period about a year prior and kind of kept on waiting for it to come back and never really connected in that year that hormone problems could be connected to my gut health problems at all. So saw a gynecologist, gastroenterologist, they sent me to a nutritionist who basically told me exactly what I was doing with the low FODMAP diet. And honestly, that was a very embarrassing and miserable appointment with the nutritionist because she basically suggested I was in pain because I wasn't doing the low FODMAP diet right. And so she was kind of hunting in all my foods. Well, you know, are you buying this product? Are you buying this product? And she had this whole shelf of foods that I should or shouldn't be eating and really walked away feeling like I wasn't believed that I was doing it right at least the low FODMAP diet, because of course, if I was doing it, I would be healthier. Well, I wasn't. So if you're listening to this podcast, this all might sound familiar to you. It's very common when you have problems like this abdominal pain or bloating or um, maybe acid reflux going on that they're going to do those colonoscopies, endoscopies, constipation, diarrhea, all of that is involved in this. Um, And 
here's the shining point in my story. Uh, my turnaround. This was so unique. And it is one of the reasons that I'm starting this podcast. It's one of the reasons that my clinic exists. It's one of the reasons that I am so passionate about not just food blaming and really getting into this mindset that we can get off of food restrictions um, is because I was sent to a pelvic floor therapist. Really interesting, guys. I don't know who, if you are listening to this, if you've been sent to a pelvic floor therapist, I was really struggling with constipation at the time. And so they thought maybe I had some dyssynergy with my muscles or maybe I my mechanics with pooping was wrong. And so again, it was my fault that I wasn't pooping. And side note slash, I am now friends with this pelvic floor therapist. Shout out to my girl, Allegra. She is awesome. So I went and saw Allegra and she did something called craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation on me. And at the time, I really didn't care what she did. She did some, you know, classic pelvic floor therapy, like balloon therapy and ought. And then it ends up getting eaten by bacteria overly much. And you can either get an overgrowth of bacteria, dysbiosis, we feel really crappy. We get that bloating. And my clients, when they would do craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation, their peristalsis increased. And so they started sleeping better and they had more energy and they'd come back and be like, what are you doing? I love it. Um, I even had a client with a rare autoimmune disorder called primary sclerosing cholangitis that affected her liver by damaging her bile ducts. She normally had two to three flare-ups a year. So if you're familiar with an autoimmune disorder, flare-up is like you you have it your whole life and, and on an ongoing basis, but a flare-up's where it gets significantly worse. So it's kind of like catching the flu for them. Uh, it's just where all of a sudden their symptoms are worse and they are more likely to need to stay home and they're going to usually be in more pain, whatever the flare-up of their autoimmune disorder is. And so her flare-ups lasted one to two weeks, she told me, typically, and she would get two to three a year just by living her average life. Well, she'd been to Mayo Clinic for treatment because her disease is so rare and it's not well researched and there wasn't much she could do about it. And Mayo Clinic kind of said, you know, here's what we know and here's what you can do. And it was pretty limited. She was on a somewhat limited restricted diet. She tried to rest a lot. And then she also tried to exercise and do things like rock climbing, which she loved and um, really proud of her, but she was still experiencing all these flare-ups. And so she came to me for a massage, like a normal massage, but being on the hunt for people with GI conditions, I was fascinated by her autoimmune disorder. And so I did some craniosacral therapy techniques on her and visceral manipulation, specifically focusing on liver, the area of her liver. And it was amazing. In the year of her working with me, she saw me once a month. She had no flare-ups. And the crazy thing on top of this is that she was in a, an, actually an increased stressful year. Her husband was getting an MBA degree, and so she was working full-time plus studying, and um, they had recently married, and were just figuring things out with work, and it was amazing. It was incredible. She did not – I mean, I remember a year after she started working with me, she looked at me, she said, Allison – I usually get two to three three flare-ups a year, and I got none this year. There were a few times that she did come into me, and she was starting to get um, the onset of flare-ups where she was more tired, and she was in more pain, and eating food was becoming harder for her. And we would do our normal treatment session, and she would go home, and usually in 12 to 48 hours, her symptoms were abating, and she would return back to work. It was incredible. So full-on no-stops helping people. I am in 2019 to 2020, we like I completely absorbed, we stopped doing massage therapy, focus on craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation. 
And I was helping people. We were working with acid reflux clients and people who were having to sleep on a recline where the bed is is heightened so that they don't get acid reflux at night and really strict acid, low acid diets where they can't eat tomato sauce or fruit, citrus fruit, like oranges and even apples and really limited spices, no garlic, just really rough um, IBS clients and, or acid reflux clients. And they ca- were able to come off their medication or some of them reduce their medication. Uh, I had one client who was able to sleep without her wedge and all of them were able to increase the amount of spices they ate. One person went from not even being able to eat cocoa powder or, or cacao powder, which she loved, in her smoothies. And now she's able to eat cacao powder and swallow easier. Um, I have IBS clients who their bloating reduced and their constipation decreased or their diarrhea when they had it was also um, becoming just more regular bowel movements. My clients with insomnia, their sleep improved significantly. Had a client with gastroparesis come in and pyloric sphincter dysfunction, incontinence, chronic low back pain. Yes, chronic low back pain is connected to GI health. And we'll get more into that. But there is an anatomical structure that connects the small intestines to the low back, and it can create significant low back pain, which I also struggled with in my two years of debilitating digestive dysfunction. Clients with headaches and migraines went away. And, you know, I was just fascinated by these people who came in and they were yogis and they were healthy and they did exercise and they limited their diet and they limited sugar and they tried to do all the helpful things. They took probiotics and they drank kombucha and they ate fermented foods. They did all the right things. They ate fiber. They drank water. (laughs) The, the, The list goes on. And they would always ask me, what probiotics should I be taking? And I just became fascinated with, okay, if we can help people by releasing soft tissue, what can we do if we help them on a biochemical level? So I became a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner to run lab tests on my clients and assess their body. We run unique, unconventional tests to look at whole body health. We look at hormones and leaky gut. Yes, it's real. Uh, The more scientific term is uh, intestinal permeability. We look at cortisol and gut pathogens and food sensitivities so we can heal the body of physical and biochemical stress. Because guys, stress is not just psychological. As I even mentioned, I was depressed. I had lots of anxiety. I was on medication. And in 2014, I was able to come off on my medication for those things because I was able to get my psychological health to a good enough level through counseling. But I noticed that through my gut health journey, as my gut health got better, the amount of energy I had to spend to moderate and modulate my emotional stability and my psychological health, everything got so much easier as I was addressing my physical and my biochemical stress. My psychological stress also decreased. So in those years, I did something that no one thought could be possible. None of my doctors were saying you could reduce your food restrictions. You could actually heal your gut through non-traditional ways. It's not just a probiotic and it's not just diet restrictions. Guys, there is so much more and I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. Please, if you are ready to help your gut, I encourage you, subscribe. I'm so excited to be talking with you in your ears, talking about all these juicy things about the gut and body health. If you loved this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a beat and take a screenshot and share it with a friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist that they say, oh, my friend, family, sister's niece 
needs you. Send this to a friend with a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Thanks so much. And we look forward to talking with you on the next Better Belly Podcast.